Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is January 2nd, 2023, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, or you can get in touch with me via email, Jason at overthecap.com. As usual, I am joined by my bunny Nelly here. Uh, Nelly, anything to say? Nope, didn't think so. Um, and possibly I'll be joined by my son. It's getting a little late, so he's probably got to get ready for bed soon since school starts again tomorrow, but I'm sure he's itching to play Fortnite at some point. So I may get booted out of here, so we'll lose Nelly at that point. Uh, so Happy New Year's to everybody. I am uh, back in New Jersey now. We uh, we got in last night from our Disney trip. Uh, we had a wonderful time in Disney. It was really cold the first couple of days. Uh, it was basically like living in Jersey, um, you know, basically weather in the 30s, especially at night. Um, so I was there dressed like I was going to go to a football game in December or something like that. But we had a we had a really good time. Um, they do a pretty cool job, I think, with all the theming and the stuff they do. And we, we stayed through New Year's Eve, got to uh, got to do a whole bunch of uh, cool beers uh, around the world in Epcot. I mentioned maybe one of them, which I really liked. It was a, um, oh, some hazel stout. Something Ivanhoe Brewing, I think, was the name of it. It was really good. I, w- I wasn't sure if I was really going to like that one. You know, they, they had some other holiday beers, obviously, there. Uh, but that one really stood out to me when I had it. First one I got, I just tried a small sample of it. You know, I think they do a uh, six-ounce pour, maybe. They do a six and a 12. Um, did the smaller one, had that, along with some other things, uh, a gingerbread stout, a maple cookie something or other I don't know I forget what that one was a couple different ones and that that was the one that I ended up kind of coming back to other than the uh, normal stuff uh we're gonna have a light beer tonight even though uh typically we're not gonna do that on a Monday night but I figure we'll ring in the new years as well at least with a little Michelob Ultra exciting I know that's a uh that's a real uh good one that I got there so this probably won't be as long as usual. Hopefully won't be as long as usual since uh, plan is to get up in the morning and get to the gym and do all that good stuff. But um, I think the big stuff that came out from before, you know, the games this week. So during the uh, the weekend, uh, during the week itself, when we were away, uh, Derek Carr got benched in Las Vegas. And it was a very clear benching because of worry of injury, right? So... His contract is such, it's very different than most of the other quarterback contracts that have come down. It was almost like a a contract that you could almost kind of tell that maybe the Raiders didn't want to do. And it didn't really make a lot of extents, a lot of sense to extend him. At least I, I didn't think it, that it did at the time. Um, but essentially the, the way the contract worked out is that it was a very minor raise over uh, what he was originally going to make, you know, b- about a little bit over a $5 million raise. And then he would get 33 the next year. Uh, that was basically injury guaranteed plus another seven, five that was injury guaranteed in 2024 uh, where his salary would balloon up to 42 million in that season. So, you know, it, it was almost like it was one of those, we're doing it because we want to send a signal to someone. Uh, I don't know if it was the locker room. I don't know if it was the the media. I don't know what it was that they were committed to Carr. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure whatever it was. You know, I, I was very negative on this contract, really from both sides of it. I didn't, think, I didn't think the Raiders had any reason to do it. No reason to give a raise just for the heck of it. Um, you know, and I, I thought... 
if you're you're going to get a team to commit to you as a franchise quarterback, you, know, you need to get a better contract than this. You know, you need something more up front. You need something that is just better overall. Now, I know the prevailing thought here is that he was looking to help the Raiders out um, in terms of their, their budget and stuff like that. That's wonderful on his part um, because that, that actually probably is the case. You know, a lot of times people say that and it's not the case. In this case, it probably was. I, I think that it was a um, it was a deal that he felt was right for the Raiders and would give them the best chance to compete rather than pushing for something more. But, you know, the guaranteed aspect is really what gets to me, I think, a little bit on it. Um, but what happens is if he's on the roster five days after the Super Bowl, I think it's five days after the Super Bowl at least, um, he earns basically a $33 million guarantee for 2023 and a $7.5 million guarantee for 2024. So the Raiders have to move quick on that. And because that money is injury protected, they couldn't afford the risk of him getting hurt in these last two games. Because if he gets hurt in any of those last two games, any type of injury is going to be able to carry over until February. You know, I, I don't care what that injury is. You, you get a high ankle sprain and you're probably not going to pass a physical as of February 10th-ish, um, you know, whatever the date whatever that date may be. And that would lock in those guarantees and that would really hurt the Raiders. And then, you know, if you have a more serious injury, it's even worse because then he completely loses any kind of trade value. Now, he does have a no trade clause. And again, the the prevailing thought at the time was he gets the no trade clause because he knows he's giving the Raiders a discount and, you know, doesn't want to take this contract over to another team. I don't believe that there's another team in the league that would pay Derek Carr $33 million next year to be the quarterback, though. That's the thing, you know, that you look at these numbers sometimes and it's like, okay, if you're Carr, what's your option? If I can find a team that will trade for me, I can make $33 million. If I go into free agency, you know, I run a risk that maybe that doesn't happen. And there, there's ways... That, you know, if the Raiders don't want to come out of this with even more of a bad look on their face uh, with, with the way that this all ends up. And I know they ended up having a very good game this week, even though they lost. Um, you you kind of can go to the Raiders and maybe say, you know, Carr will waive his no trade provided that you pay him an extra five million bucks. You know, something like that uh, is probably what you can do. Um, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that's going to happen here, but what has to happen is the Raiders right now have to get on the phone. They, I'm sure they've already done this and they have to start shopping him around to get an idea as to whether or not any team is interested in trading for him and what those terms would be, you know, how much salary would you have to pick up, um, you know, what would that be? And, you know, you, you look around the league and you see the teams with cap room. You know, the Bears aren't going to trade for him. The Falcons aren't. You know, would the Giants do something? Maybe. Um, I don't think the Patriots would do anything. I don't think the Seahawks would do anything. Uh, Texans, I don't believe, would do anything. Colts, you never know with the Colts. I, I wouldn't think so, but you never know. Um, 
you know, you, you move down the list. Washington, I, I guess, could always be interested. The Jets are clearly without a quarterback. Um, you know, I'm just looking at these other teams here. And, you know, there's just not a lot out there. You know, the Panthers can't really do it, nor should they be doing it. Um, you know, there, there's just not a lot of options, I think, for them. You know, all all those teams that I, I mentioned there, it's kind of like you say them with a shrug of the shoulders, like, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I, I would guess the teams would be the Commanders and the Jets would be the two that would stand out as probably being a little bit more all-in on that position. But they have to get this trade done basically now. Now, you're not allowed to trade someone until the start of the new league year. And they need to know by the time his salary is going to be guaranteed whether or not um, they're going to be able to trade him. So basically, they have to go around the league and shop him. And at the same time, they have to convince him to waive the no-trade clause. And then this all has to go down... Um, before that vesting date in February, and then they can't process it until March. And I lo- I know a lot of people, when I, I mentioned this as kind of like a possibility, were like, well, what happens if a team backs out? And that could happen, but I think that's pretty rare. You know, if, if you agree to the, the parameters of a trade, and it's basically announced, and you know, when Nick Foles has been traded, um, Carson Wentz, I think Foles was one of the offseason ones, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, when he was in Jacksonville, I believe, Carson Wentz's trades, you know, those have all been done long before the start of the league year. So far that I ended up processing them probably in early March because it was just throwing everybody's numbers into chaos because, you know, normally I, I would wait until a trade is actually processed, but it was a given that the trade was going to happen. So it's the same kind of scenario that's going to present itself here for the Raiders. And they'll have to make that decision. If they can't find somebody, there's no way that they're going to take that risk. But I think when you you look at the car situation, I, I think it just shows a bigger issue right now that exists within the NFL. And it's an issue I've talked about before, and I'm going to talk about it again here because... It's just a a concept of team building in today's NFL that I think has just been lost on way too many teams. Um, The league in general is not a very innovative league. You've got 32 teams. There's only a handful of teams that I would consider are innovative. Um, You know, and then what you get are copycats, you know, and it's in all aspects. You know, maybe the Chiefs are doing something on offense. So you have a couple teams will throw some wrinkles in there that are trying to look like the Chiefs. Um, you know, you, you'll have RPO get popular from a certain team, and then that aspect will branch off to other teams. From a salary cap perspective, you might have the Eagles do something pretty innovative, or maybe the Browns even, and someone kind of jumps on that, and they kind of follow through. But in general, teams are not... They don't, they don't go outside the norms, right? It, it's even like when you, when you get into the announcing. You can take a wide receiver. You can take a tight end like a Greg Olson. You know, th- These are guys who caught the football, and you put them in the, the announcing booth, and what's the first thing they talk about? Well, you need to establish the run to win a game. It's like, what? You, you went to that huddle probably saying, throw me the ball, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. You know, I'm open every play. You know, may, maybe the tight ends didn't do that as much. The wide receivers do. 
And now they're saying you got to establish the run when you put them on television? Come on now. But that that's kind of the thought process that prevails around the NFL. It's all about being very traditional and being very boring. Um, and teams do not approach the quarterback position in any type of optimal manner. Um, and what happens is a, a player like Carr kind of gets caught in the crosshairs of it. Um, Carr is probably one of the more polarizing quarterbacks that is, is certainly out there today. Um, usually, you know, a fan base defends a quarterback until they, they completely fall apart. The Raiders are so divided on it. You know, the Raiders fan base, when I see stuff on my timeline pop up, it's like half the Raiders fan base was just completely incensed that Carr got an extension. The other half thought it was wonderful. There was no in-between. Um, and it wasn't like it went one way or the other. It was like, I can't believe we extended this trash. And the other one was, he's as, he's as good as, I don't know, whatever quarterback you want to look at. Um, you know, and say he's as good as this guy and this guy and this guy. He just needs a better defense or he needs this, that, or the other thing. Um, when the stuff goes bad, and this season went pretty bad for the Raiders, um, you, you get painted then with a real negative brush overall. And it goes from what is the real story for Carr, which is that he's like an average or slightly above average. He's a quality NFL quarterback. You know, you can start games with him. You can win games with him if you have a decent team probably surrounding him. Um, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not a quarterback that's going to carry a team. Um, he's not going to be able to raise a level of play to where he just takes over the way a Josh Allen takes over from time to time. That's just not, that's never going to be his game. Never was and never will be. Um, but when things go bad, it's just like he can't play football anymore. Like, why would you want him as your starter? And... You know, I, I think what you've seen from like a Jared Goff in Detroit, and not not that Detroit's a great football team. You know, may, maybe they'll find a way into the playoffs here. May, maybe things will break their way. But what you're seeing is a serviceable quarterback that can make you look like a professional football team. You know, you, you have a very limited ceiling with those type of players, but you know, maybe you can raise your floor, and if everything goes right for you, you know, like Minnesota this year, and obviously they're getting wiped out. They got wiped out this week by Green Bay, but, um, you know, a team like Minnesota, you know, some of those squads, you know, it goes right and you just get one of those seasons where it works for you. You know, the Eagles winning a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Um, but, you know, w what happens is the teams around the league don't view the position as negotiable it, it's such a weird thing it's like and may, maybe this is an issue I, I think it's an issue that popped up in 2011 when the cba changed when you go old cba stuff contract disputes were kind of the norm and to be honest contract disputes are probably healthy for the league um it's kind of healthy i think at times for both sides you know, to, to where you have these legitimate disputes over a contract, over money, over value, 
and the way that those numbers that might be in there in a contract um, impact your team. And for many positions, for many years, you would kind of fight over the dollars and cents and you'd really be comparing to other players and you know, you, you would have a scale, a salary scale that kind of made sense. You know, or at least it made sense for a certain period of time. You know, before the salary cap would grow so much that better players would see their contracts devalued. But the NFL cycle has gotten so short now. You know, the 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 careers of the players has gotten so short that they can't do the the old school stuff of waiting five years or six years to sign their first contract extension. And quite frankly, if you're a team, you probably can't wait either because the negatives of waiting um, sometimes are really bad. You know, if you wait too long, you know, you, you end up with just... Hey, you just end up with salary cap problems. You know, I'll use a Jets example here, Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson was a really good player for the Jets. They didn't extend him after three. They didn't extend him after four. They franchise tagged him in five. And then at the last second, they came to an agreement. Again, while there are players who break the curve and are effective for many years after that rookie contract, most players are effective for the length of the rookie contract plus another year or two. So it's four years plus another two years. So six years probably. And then it kind of goes downhill. And oftentimes by year seven, year eight, you're, you know, th those players have been completely knocked down uh, in terms of status for where they are. You know, we, we always look at the great players, like the, the really, really great guys, the Aaron Donalds and stuff like that, that, that break the system. But the majority of players fall into this other category. And that was the case with Wilkerson. By the time Wilkerson hit year six, he was fading. And he was completely gone by the time he hit year seven. But because the Jets waited so long to do that contract, they ended up guaranteeing him $37 million and he was not effective for any of those. And they had to worry about injury. He had a 53-5 injury guaranteed on that deal. And it was just a, a factor of waiting. Now, I understand why they waited and everything else. But when you're talking those big dollars and cents, even from a team perspective, you know, you do the deal early. And what happens is you do that deal early. Let, let's just say in the Wilkerson case, let's say they did that deal in 2014. Um, let me just look up Muhammad Wilkerson's numbers, just to give you an example. You know, you, you would have done that deal in 2014. Wilkerson that year would have had six sacks for you, 56 tackles. It would have looked okay. The next year he goes to the Pro Bowl. He has 12 sacks, 64 tackles. You know, assuming that this stuff kind of remained constant, um, you know, even after he signs the new contract. I know a lot of people claim that the new contract is what ended his career. But, you know, you would have gotten those two years out of him and it wouldn't have looked as bad when his play just fell off in 2016. He drops to four and a half because you could probably cut him at that point in 2017 without having to deal with the salary cap impact from that. Um, you know, instead the, the jets ended up with uh, how much was his cap charge that year? 
2017, $18 million in cap and then $9 million dead in um, 2018. So they would have probably been able to avoid a lot of that had they done that extension in the third year. And, you know, you don't want to risk losing your players if you're general manager because you don't have a lot of time to build a team up. So the whole contract dispute stuff, like, doesn't exist. And it, it screws up the salary scales. But when it comes to the quarterback position, the money is so big. And unlike a defensive end, um, you know, unlike a running back, unlike many receivers or cornerbacks, the career span of a quarterback is very long. You know, you can survive as a quarterback in the NFL probably until you're 34 or 35 years old. Then you have a couple of guys, you know, Rodgers, Brady's, those guys that go well beyond that. But you can probably make it to 34, 35. So the argument on the player side that you need this extension now to get paid because the career is so short really doesn't exist. And the benefit on the team side, which is, okay, well, we need to do this because we just want to get this, you know, this money out of the way because when you fade away in three years, we don't want all this dead money or anything like that. That doesn't exist either. You know, at least for the, the players who are really good players. And you should have a system in place where quite honestly, you are fighting with some of these quarterbacks on a contract. Now, I'm not talking about the Patrick Mahomes, all right? The, the Patrick Mahomes players of the world are great, great, great football players. Um, there's no concerns with them. I'm talking about the Kyler Murrays. You know, th those, those are the kind of the players that you should have questions about. You know, the Dak Prescotts, the Matthew Staffords, the Derek Carrs, um... You know, the, well, the Cousins doesn't have that kind of salary anymore. But, you know, though, those types of players are the ones you want to look at. And this all changed. It all changed in that 2011 CBA. It really, truly did. Because the teams just got off-kiltered on the salary cap stuff. And then what happened was you had the, the contract that broke everything was Flacco, all right? Um, Joe Flacco, when he signed in 2013, he signed a contract that was worth $20.1 million a year. He jumped Manning, he jumped Brady, he jumped Breeze. This was very different than Eli Manning setting a new standard in 2009, 2010? Uh, 2009 is when Eli got extended. So Eli Manning got a $16.25 million contract that built off of Roethlisberger Rivers. Um, but at the time, the Giants know that you've got Brady coming up. You've got Manning coming up. Uh, Breeze was, I don't know if Breeze was establ established to that level at that point. Um, maybe he was. Uh, you know, you, you had these other quarterbacks coming up. Manning also had, and Manning's a very polarizing quarterback, obviously, as well, but Manning also had some intangibles in their name value. He was a number one overall pick. You know, Joe Flacco was a first-rounder, but it's like a mid-first-rounder. Joe Flacco is, he's, the name doesn't carry anything. Um, you know, it was, he had a playoff run that was, you know, pretty good, and the Broncos blew that game that gets them into the Super Bowl, and they did a contract 
that not only made him the highest paid player, but it was essentially three years in length. When Eli Manning signed his deal, it was a six-year extension. So the Giants know when that deal is done, not only is he going to get passed by those other guys that I mentioned, but the contract is so long in length, you know he's going to get surpassed by a bunch of guys. So even if that contract looks like a rough deal at the front end of it, uh, and you can manipulate the cap hits you know, to, to make it so it's not so bad on the front end, um, you know on the back end it's probably going to be pretty cheap as long as he just doesn't fall apart. Um, you know, Manning gave you a couple of really good years when he was on the Giants. Uh, it was a short window um, where he did that, but he had a couple of years where he was really great. Flacco's deal, because of the structure of the contract, was essentially a three-year contract. Um, the cap numbers got so big in the fourth year, it basically put them in a position where they were going to have to uh, renegotiate it again, which they did. And he jumped the market again, this time to 22. Um, Flacco was just such an easy player for teams to compare to. It, it was the big change, right? Because around that time, that's when the guys like uh, Tony Romo, I think, signed an extension. Um same year, 2013, he signed for $18 million a year. And let me just pull up Flacco again. Let me see which one came first. Flacco's came first. Oh, yeah, it had to come first because that was a, right off the Super Bowl, um, you know, pre-free agency because they didn't they had cap issues. Um, you know, and there were questions. Can you win with Tony Romo as your quarterback? You know, you had Matt Schaub. You know, Matt Schaub was uh, 2012 was his extension at 15-5. Same thing. You know, can you win with Matt Schaub at 15-5? Alex Smith was probably around that same time with the Chiefs. Uh, his was 2014 at 17 million a year. And it was like, wow, well, can you win with Alex Smith? But at least these guys were negotiating deals, the team side at least, that was below the level of Flacco. All right. But then you just had all these guys fit in between Flacco and Rodgers at 22. And it just became this thing that every quarterback gets paid about the same amount of money. And not only is it that every quarterback gets paid a lot of money, but when you start paying attention to the length of that Flacco deal, like the, not, not the on-paper length, the legitimate length of that deal based on structure. If you study the structure of that deal, you know it's only a three-year deal and they're going to have to tear it up and do something because of the craziness that was done in that contract. And you have uh, the players now that want to mimic those kind of things and you get Cousins at three, you get Goff at four, you get Wentz at four, you get all these players on four-year deals, Prescott at four, and... Basically, before the ink is dry, they're going to get another contract. So it's not like you get even that Manning benefit where you're saying, okay, it's six years in length. So even if we look at this like, eh, yeah, you know, it's 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 higher than it probably should be. Well, you know you've got six years in that contract that you can work with. And that keeps the numbers lower than the rest of the league, which is going to be going up and up and up. These teams don't get that benefit because they're doing shorter term deals and they're they're being faced with decisions earlier on on extending the quarterbacks a second time and just blowing those numbers away. Now, Carr's, Carr's deal wasn't like that. His was a five, his original one. But 
that's what happens. It's like the Aaron Donald thing. You know, the Rams, you, you fight with Aaron Donald over over the numbers. Uh, you know, he held out the one year. They didn't want to do the deal. That was maybe the right call, maybe not. You do a deal in 2018 with a ton of money in the first three years of the deal. As soon as the money turns down, he needs a new contract. Even though you fought for a six-year deal, you're giving in because... I don't know, whatever reason, you know, threatens retirement, and you just raise the salary to an ungodly amount of money. And that's what happens with all these quarterbacks because you're giving them that three-year deal right up front. You know, you're giving them the right to, you know, basically hold you for ransom three years after they sign their first deal. And you're doing top-of-the-market contracts for these guys. The reason the Wentz deal and the Goff deal, despite the fact that people are complaining about them, the reason those contracts are still existing today, because they wouldn't exist if they were on their original teams, it's because when they get traded to the teams like the Lions, the Lions aren't taking on $33.5 million a year. You know, what I have listed on there, that, that's not the, the size or scope of his contract. You know, the size and scope of his contract for the Lions is about $26 million a year. You know, that, that's the ballpark as to where that contract is. That's very different than him, you know, on the Eagles deal at 33.5, where his cap numbers are going to be bloated because of all the prorated money that's in there. You know, or I'm sorry, with the Rams. I'm getting my teams mixed up here. You know, the Rams, if they had had him on the team, they would have been looking at cap hits uh, the last three years, you know, 33, 35 million. The Lions are taking cap hits of 10. Uh, they, they they jumped them up to 30 with the, the way they structured it. Uh, but they could have had him at 25, you know, straight a year, 26 straight a year. But that that's why those contracts are still around. Because for the team that trades for the player, and this, this is maybe a reason why you would get Carr, even though I don't think a team would give 33. Maybe they would. Who knows? Um, you know, you're bringing in a contract which has that stated value of 40, but it's only $33 million for you next year. But instead of fighting for these deals and trying to come up with a way to make a be your, your best um, possible 53-man roster... You're just giving in on these contracts and you're getting no benefit. You know, Wilson 49, Murray 46, Watson 46. It just doesn't make sense. When you've got Mahomes 45, Allen 43, the gap between these two players and any of these other veteran quarterbacks, and I'm going to include Rodgers in that mix, even coming off the MVP seasons, is gigantic. You know, these guys are a different level. And if these guys are locking themselves up, because these are two teams that did the, the good job, the Chiefs and the Bills, 10 years on Mahomes, six years on Allen, 45 a year on Mahomes, 43 a year on Allen and new money for both of those guys. You can't be paying more for those players. You cannot compete. If you are the Arizona Cardinals, you are not going to be able to compete in a Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs when your quarterback is making more than Mahomes. 
It's just not going to happen. When you have Russell Wilson at 49, you know, and that, that's the better example because he's in the same division. How are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes? You're paying more for a lesser quarterback than Mahomes, than the Chiefs are doing. Now, no, nobody expected Wilson to be this bad. You know, now you, you should go in with, you know, there, there were there, there were warning signs with Wilson, but you didn't expect him to be this bad. But even in general, Mahomes is a tier one. Wilson would have been a tier two. How do you pay him more? You know, the time frame is about the same. How do you do that? And the problem when you get into players like Carr and you get into players like Stafford, you need to close a gap if you're these other teams. You need to be able to bridge this talent gap by going into free agency, even though free agency sucks. All right? I'll be the first to tell you, most of what you get in free agency is not great and you're probably going to overpay for it. But like the draft, you're going to have some type of hit rate and the early years of that, or maybe if you trade to bring someone in, um, you know, like A.J. Brown going to the Eagles, those first years, the trade is almost always going to look bad for the, the team that traded that player away and it's going to look good for you. Same thing with free agency. You might get that first year where it looks really good for you that you sign the player. But you need to have the resources available to bring a couple of players in that you can, you know, that you can work with. And there's a lot more value. If I can sign five players in free agency versus three or four, you know, there's more upside to that for me. Even if we're talking about 50-50 kind of stuff here, if I sign three guys, let's say I get two hits, one miss. All right. But let's say I can get five guys. And let's say I get two misses, but now I got three hits. You know, that third hit, that might be something that helps me bridge that gap between the Broncos and the Chiefs or the Raiders and the Chiefs. But when you don't have any kind of real gap in salary, you don't have the ability to compete with these better quarterback teams. And the NFL franchises are shooting themselves in the foot with the way they approach the position. You need to go in there in the draft, bring guys in. Use that franchise tag. I know everybody was all over the Cowboys for using it on Prescott. Use the tag. You can use it two times. You can make another team sign a player. Get your get two first round picks. You know, if maybe the guy maybe the guy is worth that. You know, maybe it's worth it for your organization, but the thing is at the very least you take a shot in the draft so you got a pipeline coming in behind him. You know, you should never be not and again, this is probably not the not the right example, but you shouldn't be bullied if you're the Raiders into extending Derek Carr. They weren't really bullied into it. But, I mean, you've got that franchise tag in your back pocket. You've had time where you could have drafted someone. Stick someone on there. I don't, I don't care if you, you hurt the guy's feelings. 
If you can't deal with competition from a second-round draft pick, you're not a Super Bowl quarterback. So you got to have a pipeline in place that helps you with your contract negotiation, at the least. And use those franchise tag mechanisms. Because you should have a situation where a player like Carr... When Mahomes is at $45 million a year, a Derek Carr should be like 30 Maybe 35 Probably 30 That's the kind of gap that you need. You need a big gap. If you are in the AFC West, your path to victory is not, well, I need Derek Carr on my team. I need to pay him 40 Your path to victory is... I need a player like Derek Carr on my team, but I need him to be $15 million a year less than Patrick Mahomes. And the problem is that doesn't exist in the NFL unless you're Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the only quarterback that that's ever existed with in the NFL. Only one. And what happens then is you end up getting into these cycles like the Eagles were with Wentz, the Rams were with Goff. You know, all through the years, these players shob with the Texans that I mentioned before, where, you know, you, you just create this, <clears throat> this no upside team and you just can't build around it. Now, the Raiders did things terribly. All right. They bring in Devontae Adams. Fine. If you're bringing in Devontae Adams at 22 a year, you should not be extending Hunter Renfro at 15 and Darren Waller at 17. Devontae Adams is a target monster. This guy is really good. He's going to demand the ball all the time. He's going to be the guy that gets the ball. Just because you have a bunch of expensive receivers doesn't mean it's going to complement it. And it doesn't mean it's going to improve Derek Carr. Derek Carr is who he is. Give him that one receiver, and then you have some other guys that are cheaper, and maybe you can do some stuff on defense to be a little bit better. You know, corners. You know, better coverage back uh, linebackers. You know, something, another pass rusher. I mean, I know they tried. <laughs> you know, the Jones thing just hasn't worked out. But, you know, the point being, there's, there's other ways that you can do it, but it's a hell of a lot easier if you have Derek Carr at a reasonable price, not at what he's at now, to where he becomes a scapegoat in large part because you fell victim to the trap that every quarterback has to get paid $40 million a year no matter what. You know, that's on them. And what happens is the alternative that teams look at is when it goes sideways. When you look at that money that they spent on all those receivers and you see the offense isn't clicking. Carr becomes the scapegoat, but what you see next is the only option is the draft. Because the draft, you don't have to deal with the contract. You know it's going to be cheap. But because none of these teams take a shot unless you're trading to bring a guy in, like a Goff, you're not taking a shot at any kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe quality veteran 
that you can build a team around because that middle ground doesn't exist. And by quality veteran, again, I'm talking about someone that at least has had a career as a starter. You know, Nick Foles, I'm not saying Nick Foles was Trent Dilfer. Maybe he was. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, those types of players, the Nick Foles, the Teddy Bridgewaters at 20, that's not a middle market. That's just that's just paying a guy to be a starter when they, they probably didn't warrant it. I'm talking about legitimate starters. You know, your cousins, your goffs, th- those types of players, um, your cars. But, you know, that's how you have to approach it. But a player like Carr is going to get left out now because he's going to get looked at as probably like a useless guy. He's going to go to a team where maybe he makes too much money and they can't surround him with the talent that you need to improve. Or you're going to do what makes the most sense, which is you're going to draft a quarterback, which is going to come way more upside than Carr. And now you're going to have that cheap salary figure. The problem for some teams is they get into that cheap salary figure and they've screwed up their roster so much, all that cheap salary does is help them get out of a mess. You know, Dak Prescott's rookie years with Dallas were completely wasted because they were getting out of whether it was a bad contract or whether it was just bad luck, you know, of Romo and Bryant and all those guys you had to use that rookie window to get out of that. It's like Justin Fields in Chicago. Like you've lost years where you should be competitive because you've had to get rid of the mistakes from the prior general manager. Now, and what you can learn from looking at these teams that make the playoffs, right? Who who makes the playoffs? It's your elite quarterbacks and it's your rookie quarterbacks. That's basically who makes it because your rookie quarterbacks, you can build really good teams around those players via trade and by maximizing what you can do in free agency. You know, the Jaguars made some crazy signings this year, but they had the money to do it. And again, you're throwing so many darts against the board. A couple of those guys are going to hit, even if they don't live up to the contract numbers there's still going to be a big improvement over what you had before. But you've got the ability to do that because Trevor Lawrence makes $9 million a year. So is Trevor Lawrence Patrick Mahomes? No. Is Trevor Lawrence better than Derek Carr? Yeah. He's on the same level as those guys that are making between 35 and 40, but he's making under 10. So in those two, three, and four years, when he's on that rookie deal, you can surround him with a ton of talent. And if he's not good, you can still be competitive because you can build up a team, you know, unless he's so bad where it's, you know, Zach Wilson on the Jets, and even they won seven games this year. You can build a team because you're not worried about what you're paying for the quarterback. You can build a team that can compete. You know, is Tua a great quarterback in Miami? And I know they're they're stumbling to the finish line as well. No, but they've been able to build this, you know, team around them that's just got a lot of weapons. It can cover for a lot of deficiencies. Look at the Bears with Trubisky. They made the playoffs. Yeah, they were competitive. He was terrible. 
but they still were able to do stuff with him. Look at how much the Chargers have tried to go all in. Now, I'm not saying it's all working for them, but they've been able to build stuff because of that. You know, that that's the way to approach things right now. You know, you, you've got to do a better job when you come up for negotiations with these guys, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at some of the, the younger players here in the draft picks. All right. So let's say Lawrence looks like he's going to hit. Um, Joe Burrow, definitely going to hit. Wilson, no. Lance, no. You know, two is going to be the guy. Now, the concussion thing is concerning. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Two is not a $45 million quarterback. He's not a $50 million quarterback. If you're Miami and you want to compete with Josh Allen, you've got to fight. When that time is is there for a contract, assuming he can stay healthy, you got to fight to get him under a contract for like 30 or 35 a year. And if it's going to be more money than that, well, it better be structured the same way as Mahomes' deal to where it's 10 years and it's a two-in-one. You know, if he's going to make $50 million a year, I want him at $37 million a year in the first five years of that extension. Then I'll pay more on the back end of it to get that money to raise up. You've got to take a better approach if you are a team. You know, and you you might run the risk of losing the quarterback. You know, the Ravens are dealing with that right now. You got situations where people are questioning whether Lamar Jackson's hurt or not. You're going to get a lot of um, negativity if they don't sign him to a deal, you know, during this year. But I understand where they're coming from. The Ravens are probably not going to be a competitive football team if Lamar Jackson's making $50 million a year. Lamar Jackson's a very good quarterback. He's got an MVP. Uh, He does some dynamic things that other quarterbacks don't do. He's also missed a couple of games these last two years. And there's a lot of stuff that would say historically, you know, maybe his body is not going to hold up. Now, he's different than a Cam Newton type with the types of hits that Cam would take. You know, Cam was a more bruising runner. But, you know, you really haven't been able to build a great unit even around him when he's on that rookie deal. And you're definitely not going to build one around him if he's making 50 a year. Now, in the landscape of the way things go, yeah, you know, he should be holding out for 55 a year or something crazy like that. You're not going to be a competitive team if you do that. You're just not. And if there's no way you can get a deal done with him for money that would probably be around that Mahomes-Allen level and those kind of lengths, not a four-year deal, not a three-year deal, we're talking six, seven, eight years, um... You know, just use your franchise tag and away you go. You have two years, trade them away. You know, um, you know and it, when, when you get in the draft, you know, take somebody. You know, that that's the path to, you know, to being better. You know, that that's the way to do it. Um, but no team does it. Very few, you know, the Eagles, maybe. Maybe, who knows? I, I don't know what they'll do with Hurts. Uh, I, w- I would imagine they're going to pay him a fortune. But, you know, the uh, the bottom line 
is that all these teams that convince themselves like this is the guy and you can't live without him, most of them, yeah, maybe you don't want to live without them, but you're not going to want to live with them when they're making $40 million a year or 43 or 46 or 47 when the best quarterbacks in the league are locked up for a decade at 45. It's a total misfire by every team in the NFL. And if they were more more proactive in the draft, you know, that would be the way to do it. You know, and it's funny because the Eagles have been able to get through this in large part because they drafted Hurts in the second round. And quite frankly, if you look at a lot of teams, the Seahawks survive some bad contract stuff because they got a gem and Russell Wilson is a you know mid-round pick. Dallas survived a salary cap, what could have been a disaster, because they got Prescott you know late in the draft. But everybody just looks at these things as kind of like, oh yeah, you know, whatever they 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 they, they happen to catch a guy late versus looking at it more as a, a strategy or something strategic. You know, you, you look at the Packers, you know, and people are going to look at this and, you know, instead of saying, okay, the Hurts thing was brilliant, they're going to look at it more like, uh, you know, the Packers wasted a pick with Jordan Love. They really didn't. You know, they gave themselves some insurance. Now, did they handle it properly? No. Is Jordan Love any good? Who knows? But, you know, that they were trying to have some kind of plan in place the way they did... However many years ago it was when they drafted Rodgers. What was that, 2005? You know, when Favre was still playing at a high level. You know, so it's something that teams just need to change their thinking on. And they're not doing it. It's just, you watch it and it's every team the same every year. It's the same story. Sign the player to a contract. Regret the contract two years later. Restart completely again. And you should be looking at some of these other teams that have invested those draft picks that probably look like throwaway picks. You just signed Romo to a big extension. Prescott probably looked like a throwaway pick. You know, that's what you need to do. And the, the Raiders thing is just a perfect example of it. Yeah, the Broncos are a good example of it too, you know, with the way they approach the draft. You know, instead of having a player like a Justin Fields, you know, they ended up having to trade away a whole bunch of draft capital to bring in Wilson and pay him 49 a year. So I don't know. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get the, uh, the the teams here and the way they think. I just don't know why... You don't get a couple of teams that, I don't know, ever think out of the box with this stuff. Because almost all of these come back to bite them. All right, anyway. Um, I didn't see much of the Jets game. Uh, I was traveling. Looked, sounds like I didn't miss much. Uh, bad end to the season. Uh, not much you can say. If you're a longtime fan of the Jets, you're used to these December fall-aparts. Um, you know, I remember as a little kid 
watching them lose like every game in 86 down the stretch after they started the season like 10 and 1 just stumble 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 um so just a just a bad bad thing um I don't know if they've tuned the coach out. I, I don't know if, um, you know, too much of the, the pep talks that he gave maybe started to fall on deaf ears. Um, you know, maybe the rookies, well, Garrett Wilson more than, Sus Gardner has been great. Uh, you know, maybe Garrett Wilson hit a little rookie wall. That stuff happens, um, you know, from time to time. Those guys are all going to be on the hot seat next year. They may be on the hot seat this year. Who knows? Um I don't think they will be. I don't think they should be. Uh, but next year, I mean, you can't make excuses for this stuff anymore. You know, when the Giants made it to the playoffs in year one with a really bad roster, and you want to say the Giants are the worst playoff team in the last couple of years, I don't disagree with you. But, you know, the Jets would not have been a good playoff team if they made it either. You know, Jets were a lot of miracle wins. Um It's just this nonsense that's just accepted within that organization and parroted over and over and over again. Baby steps, three to five year plan. It's going to take us three to five years to build this thing up. Giants made the playoffs in one. Now, the Giants haven't built anything. I'd be probably pretty surprised if they made the playoffs next year. But they made it. You know, in spite of all the mess of that roster and everything else, they made the playoffs and the Jets haven't been able to do that. And, you know, when you see the Giants do it, when you see the Lions play inspired football, it it makes it very hard for anyone to take serious when Joe Douglas comes out there and he just talks about the progress of the team and how, you know, that they one, let's say they win next week. Uh, they win eight games on the year, and that's progress. It's like he won seven games, I think, with Adam Gase. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, and that, that might, I don't remember if that predated Douglas. Uh, no, that was probably his first year when they, they won seven. Um, you know, you, you just can't keep saying that stuff. You know, it's, it's like you embrace being mediocre. And you have a fan base that kind of embraces being mediocre half the time, um, you know, and doesn't want to admit stuff. But you know, it, it's not a. It's just a. It's just a bad finish. Um, you know, the season is going to leave a lot of negative feelings out there. All right, let's take a look at. Uh, oh wait, I did get one email question today. I probably had some stuff from during the week. Uh, let me do a quick search. Let me see if I can. Let's see, um, let's see, uh, all right, this is a bigger one from Matthew in Australia. I'll have to do this next week. I'll have to try to get to it. I'll try to remember. Um, Matthew, if you happen to be listening, you can resend it this week just so I don't lose it, but it's a, it's okay if I mix it. Um, you know, if I, if you don't, I'll, I'll try to remember it. I'll try to flag it on here. Um, all right. So let me get Michael here. Uh, Steelers fans starting to get cautiously optimistic about Kenny Pickett. I'm excited to see what he can do. 
Question is, can or should the Steelers go all in in 2023 to maximize his rookie contract? I see they don't have much cap space, so maybe not. If 2023 goes well, 2024 is the year to make that big push. We'd love to hear your view. Um, my opinion on it is you want to go all in when you have a young quarterback uh, right at the start. Um, now, sometimes that's hard to do year one, but you, you probably want to do that year two. And the reason that I say that is if you go in year two, you can get a free agent class and not, not that the Steelers go into free agency a lot. So this might not apply to the Steelers. But you can get a free agent class that's going to be there 22-23. As long as you don't do anything crazy with those contracts, that gives you one last try in 2024, where even if he's on his extension, all right, so you, even if you do the extension after year three, that year four or five cap hit, <coughs> excuse me, is still going to be pretty low. So by doing it in year three, it gives you two different free agent groups that you can basically bring in to, to maximize your opportunity um, during that period of time. And, you know, it doesn't have to be all in year two. Um, but in my mind, it gives you two years, two chances to do it. Uh, whereas if you wait, if you want to wait and say, okay, is he definitely the guy? So let's say they want to watch him play next year. And then in year three, they're ready to go wild. You're only going to get that year three, year four. You're not going to get another free agent class in there because you're going to already be worried about the contract. And even though, again, you can manipulate those cap hits, um, it's not the same length. So, yeah, if I were them, I would be going all in this year. And I think that's the way every every team that has a rookie quarterback should be approaching it. All right, here we go. Let's take a look. Lord Rustin, all the guaranteed money in Douglas's contract has been paid out and the Jets haven't redone his contract. The expectations when he initially signed was that he'd get an extension after year four with more guaranteed money. Are the Jets doing JD dirty? Looks like he'll be fired. I don't know what his contract is. Um, I don't really remember it. Uh, you know, a lot of times general managers, if they go into a contract season, uh, will get like a token one-year extension. That's kind of the norm. Uh, it's, you know, to show some type of stability. And a lot of times that they end up getting fired anyway. But I, I, I'm not sure on the specifics with him. Uh, but off of this year would be, a, a you know, tough to do. Uh, Baba, what would be a reasonable contract for Daniel Jones if the Giants don't want to tag him? And would you consider Carr for the Jets next year? Um, no, I, I don't want Carr for the Jets. I, I don't want a veteran quarterback. I don't believe the Jets roster is good enough, um, you know, to where that type of player is going to make a difference. Now, I would rather have Carr with the one year, you know, plus the 7-5 the next year guaranteed versus signing Garoppolo and giving him 60 guaranteed or something stupid like that. Uh, but no, I, I don't think I really want to do that. I, I think you, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're just going to be disappointed, um, you know, with the, the overall results, uh, as for Daniel Jones, yeah, 20 a year, I, that's probably reasonable. I, I wouldn't guarantee him more than one and a half years or something like that. Uh, you know, I, he's not a good quarterback. I mean, if he... If he go if he was a free agent, I don't know why he would be treated any different than like the Mariotas, Trubisky's, you know, all those guys were, and they didn't get much. Uh, Titans therapy. If you could put together a guesstimate for Jeffrey Simmons, uh, what would it be? All right, let's take a look at his numbers here. 
All right, so let's see what we've got here. Just some real basics. Oh, you know, eight and a half last year, seven and a half this year. Um, you know, Pro Bowl. Yeah, that that that's probably going to lead to a pretty significant um, contract, I would think here. Um, you know, I would guess he would be in that second tier wave of your your interior um, defensive players. You know, probably in that eighteen million dollar a year range. Uh, depend. It depends a little bit. You know, if the market rises, you know, maybe up to twenty. Um, you know, I, I would track him with those other guys. Um, you know, I think he's probably better than Jonathan Allen, but I, I think that would be your probably your comparable. Um, you know that you, that you're looking at uh, would be someone like that. You know, um, yeah, and it would be probably somewhat similar. You know, he was a little bit more up and down. You know, in Simmons' case, you're kind of coming on stronger at the end. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm just looking at something here. Sorry. Um, but yeah, the I, I think um, you know he's probably in that range. Uh, what would be a realistic trade haul the Ravens would get for a tag and trade of Lamar Jackson? Uh, I think they'd probably get three first-round picks for him. Momo, any guess on how much the Giants will offer Jones and Barkley now that they report they will off, uh, they will offer them deals leaked yesterday morning? Um, I would guess, you know, I, Jones, I, I just can't picture them offering Jones anything significant. Um, you know, unless it's a lot of, you know, incentivized stuff in there. Uh, Barkley, you know, my, my take is that you just offer him Derrick Henry's deal, you know, 12, 12, five a year, something like that would be what you'd offer. Uh, Hugo, how would you fix the jets? What would uh, you do with the contracts of Mosley Lawson, Davis Becton? Uh, so Davis had cut Becton. See if you can get anything out of him. Uh, decline the option. Not much. You you know, you just hope for some loss. And I'd probably see if he'd take a pretty steep pay cut. Otherwise, I'd cut him. Uh, Mosley, probably the same. Thomas, in the podcast, you spent some time discuss, discussing QB issues and Jets, what they're doing wrong, why they shouldn't sign an expensive veteran. Uh, but what do you think is the right move for them this offseason? Should they use a first-round pick to draft the best available quarterback? Yeah, I, if I were the Jets, uh, I would probably draft a quarterback. Um I mean, you can look around the league. I mean, you can look if you can find a, um, you know, a cheap quarterback to trade for. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a I don't think Trey Lance has got anything. But, you know, if you can get Trey Lance for a bag of chips, you know, hey, bring him in. You know, if you get Jordan Love for not much, you know, you could try something like that. But, you know, otherwise, um, you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm going to look in the draft. And I'm, I'm going to see what I can do, how I can maybe move up, or who's going to be there. I, the Jets are probably going to pick 13, 14, something like that. Um, you know, is there somebody there? Uh, otherwise, you know, go get a Jacoby Brissett for $5 million bucks and throw him in there. And, you know, see if you can get something uh, decent out of the offense with that while you, you figure something out. 
Uh, Jason, repeat. What does it take to get Jody fired? Salo, Michael Floor, do you think the Jets are an attractive job opportunity? Uh, so I think LaFleur, there stands a chance that he'll be the scapegoat. I, I think after this collapse, I don't think Woody will sit there, uh, especially with the Giants going to the playoffs. I don't think he'll sit there and allow the coaching staff to come back intact. And obviously the finger is going to be pointed at the offensive coordinator because the offense stinks. So I, I think that he's probably going to get fired. Um, I don't think the other two will. I I, I just don't. Um, you know, it, it is a big collapse. But I, I don't think that the, the fan base... The fan base is not negative on the coach or the general manager the way that they were on Idzik, where... You know, the fan base forces the hand of the owner almost to to just um, basically say, okay, I screwed up, uh, you know, right away. But so I'll say this. If the Jets do not make the playoffs next year, these they'll both be fired. If the Jets start off the season three and six, Salah will get fired midseason. That's that's my guess as to the way this this could play out next year. So I think they come in with a different offensive coordinator. And I think the other two guys get fired. Um, Salah could be mid-season if things go really badly. And then Douglas will get fired after the year. Um, The only way I could probably see them fired this year is if Sean Payton indicated he wanted to come to the Jets. You know, if something like that happened, um, I, I could see that scenario happening. But I don't anticipate that occurring. James, uh, how can the Jets get themselves into a position with Mosley where they retain him, bring his cap down, and only add an extra year? Is it possible? Or does he post one, uh, June 1, based on money alone? It's up to C.J. Mosley, you know, as to what he's willing to, you know, to play for. Uh, You know, he he may want to go somewhere different. Um, You know, he's scheduled next year to make 17, 21, 5 cap hit. Um, yeah, they, they really should be knocking that down to seven. So, you know, seven million in salary, you take 10, 10 million off. And that, that's up to him. You know, if he, he wants to do that, and he, he might not. You know, Bobby Wagner, um, what did Wagner get? Bobby Wagner's a better player. But, you know, Mosley carries a lot of name value as well. Um, it's not like mostly a bad player. Let me see what Wagner signed for. I think Wagner was at 10. Yeah, he was 10 a year. Um, 10 full, 20 injury. So, I mean, that that's probably what it would be. You know, so I, I, I'm probably off on my shaving 10 million off, but probably take 7 million off his salary this year. 7 million off his salary the following year. Um guarantee the second year for injury guarantee the first year outright um that that's what i would say would be fair um you know otherwise yeah i would say he should be gone new curmudgeon what might a car contract look like and what are the possible landing spots see question uh mid-range quarterbacks above so maybe he's got a different question for me but i think i probably tackled at least something on the mid-range um I don't know. I think Carr is going to be looked at as damaged goods. I, I almost feel like that. You know, it's a, it's a weird one. Um, 
I kind of feel like if he gets through the, the trade window and there's no takers at 33, the next taker would be like 15. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I feel like it's something like that. Um, so I don't know, um, you know, landing spots I mentioned before, but you know, I, I would guess Jets and Washington are the two that make the most sense. Chris, what would you do with Denver's pick if you were Seattle? Um, so Denver's pick right now is where are they, they picking third? Um, again, I never know anything about the players in the draft. Seattle should draft a quarterback. Do not get sucked into Geno Smith. Uh, draft yourself as a quarterback. Brian, happy new year. Sorry, I began this way. <laughs> Any more new year celebrations before the Jets are in the playoffs? Oh, who knows? Another 10. Uh, Dick Insider, at the end of the rookie contracts, what do you project to be the better value? Sauce or Marcus Jones of the Pats? Uh, Gardner. Um, to Garden, Gardner right now looks like a, you know, just a another worldly player. Um, so I, I I would say, you know, Gardner is, Gardner is going to be, barring injury, um, five years of his rookie, his first five years in the league, I would not be surprised if he's all pro three of them. You know. uh, might, have, uh, might have just missed you. If so, next pod, if you could. Uh, what's your opinion on uh, Carr's no trade clause? Is current contract beneficial for him that he wouldn't consider just forcing Vegas to cut him? Um, my feeling is a no trade clause. It's like you, you usually will just waive him. Um, you know, my thought is he's not going to get a better deal if he doesn't waive the no trade clause. And, you know, that it might require the Chargers, I'm sorry, the Raiders to pick up some salary or like I mentioned before, maybe sweeten it for him to get rid of it by throwing him an extra five. Um, so I, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't consider that a hamper to trading him. I, I think more of the, the, the block to trading him is whether or not teams look at that 33 and say it's viable. My feeling is teams maybe would say 25 if they, they were that interested in a trade, um, you know, unless if he's going to be free agent. Rob, do you think after the season that there will be an appetite for middle-class quarterback contractors? Is it just not possible? Um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's, it, despite what I just ranted about, I just don't think it's possible right now. Uh, where's Zach Wilson playing next year, in your opinion? I don't know. Um, he's done with the Jets. Like, Zach Wilson maybe can resurrect his career. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing at all good about him right now, but you never say never. Um, maybe he can resurrect his career, but I, you know, my thing is that I don't think Joe Douglas is going to want to trade him and get back, you know, a fifth round pick every time they play Zach Wilson, his value is diminished. That that's how bad he's been, you know. Josh Rosen got a two. Now that was with more years left on the rookie deal. Uh, Wilson's going to get less than that, and you know, I I think he might look at that as just not the right value, similar to why they never traded Denzel Mims. Um, you know, because you don't want to trade a second round pick and get back a seven in return. So I I kind of think that that's the the issue that's going to be at play with him. And it may just become an ugly situation where, 
you know, they say, you know, Zach's part of the team. We want him to compete for the job. He's still growing. He's still learning. It takes time. And he and his agent get a little upset and they issue a statement that Jets are doing him wrong. And, you know, he, he was drafted to be a starter. All right, let's take a look. More questions. Uh, how do members of the media get info on players' injuries without violating HIPAA laws? Uh, you know, the, the NFL basically um, releases, you know, most of the, the stuff. I mean, I, uh, I'm not familiar enough with the, the, that aspect of the contracts, um, but I believe the general nature of the injuries is something that is required to be kind of released by the teams. You know, a guy tears his ACL, it's like, tears his ACL. Um, you know, and you're getting from the teams, you know, how is his rehab going? It's going well, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I think the only time it was really an issue, um, that I can remember recently was the Jason Pierre Paul one where Schefter got stuff. I believe it was from a hospital, um, you know, detailing an injury and you don't see stuff like that. Basically what you're getting is just a team report as to, um, what an injury is versus, you know, graphic details and uh, an actual medical report from a hospital on a player. Uh, Declan, what is your opinion on keeping two versus three quarterbacks on a roster? And related to that, is it worth spending a lot on a decent backup quarterback? What situations do and do not justify investing cap space and roster spots on non-starting quarterbacks? Um, I think keeping three quarterbacks on a roster is the right way to do it. I think what you want to have on your roster um, is... You, you want to have your starter, obviously. You want your number two to either be a prospect that you can, you know, a higher level prospect you think you can develop or a legitimate, decent veteran that can come in if your guy gets hurt and play. And then a third guy who might be a deep developmental prospect. I think that that's probably the way that you want to approach it. Uh, I don't think it's worth spending a lot on a decent backup quarterback. Um, you know, like... Jameis Winston at 15 million. Now I know they brought him in probably to start. Jameis Winston at 15 million is a waste. Jameis Winston at 3 million, that's fine. Um, so it depends on what you're talking about about salary uh, for a decent backup quarterback, but yeah, maybe five or six. Um, you know, just because the position is that valuable, you you want to have a guy that can play. You know, you you, you don't want to be turning to like a undrafted who's never played before, and he's a rookie. Yeah, that that's not what you want. So, you know, you just want to get guys that have enough experience that can play. But I don't I don't think you probably should spend much more than five on that because there's probably a good amount of people that you you can get to bring in there. And quite frankly, when you go to your backup, you know, unless it's for a couple of plays, you know, or game here and there, um, you know, it's probably going to be a pretty significant downgrade no matter what. Rob, do the Bears want to re-sign Montgomery? Can they locate a legit stud to block for the runners? The O-line and D-line need to help, which I believe they understand how many times someone has fed his fans junk uh, junk food football. Um, yeah, they'll probably keep Montgomery. Uh, they have a lot of cap room, and I think they'll look to keep a couple dudes. But, uh, you know, the I, it's a bad free agent group. Um, so, you know, they, they can bring in some guys who are serviceable this year. Uh, but, you know, it's probably going to have to come from the draft and look at free agency the following year. I unless there's a trade candidate. 
you know, you, you never know what the trades or players who are cut, but that would be the, what I would think. Oh, let's see. If the Seahawks stay at the three pick, is there a player in the draft another team is willing to give up tons of draft capital for at this spot? If you have the third pick in the draft and your quarterback is Geno Smith, you need to draft the quarterback. Uh, did the Jets fail Zach Wilson or was he going to be a bust no matter who picked him? So looking at Wilson, Wilson was probably going to be a bust no matter who picked him. Um, I think the situation with the Jets made it worse. Uh, I think the Jets' approach last year was poor. Um you know, I've mentioned this before, and somebody I think even mentioned this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago to me in a response. You know, he's kind of like, it's like Jay Cutler's attitude, but without the ability, um, you know, without the fundamental ability that Jay Cutler had. And I think that's like a good comparison for Wilson. And <clears throat> I think Sala did what happened early on when uh, Cutler was in Denver. It was almost like enabling. It was like, he's terrible. You see that he's terrible. And you're like, well, you know, Josh Allen was pretty bad too. And look at him. You know, or he, we, we believe in him. He's, he's doing great. You know, he's doing what we ask him to do. And it's like, it, you're, you're not doing the things I, I think that you need that maybe make him work. You know, if you have a guy that has like a little bit of a... Uh, attitude, you know, that, that kind of me first complex attitude or whatever it is, you know, that, that a guy like Cutler had, sometimes that probably requires more tough love than, you know, a pat on the back and saying, great job when you're throwing the ball at the feet of your receivers. Um, you know, during the Jets streak where they were winning, you know, Wilson was terrible. And it's like at some point you have to, to kind of admit it. Now, I thought they, that he handled the benching well. Um, not Wilson. The, I don't think Wilson handled it poorly either. But uh, Salah, I thought that that was actually handled pretty well the way that he did it, the way that he approached it. But I, I think that um, the coaching staff was not prepared for having a quarterback who was really, really, really rough. Um, you know, but it, it's like, if he is a bad fundamental player and that's what he is, he's a bad fundamental player, you know, why are you giving him the safety blanket of bringing in his consultant or whatever, John Beck there is a co off season coach or whatnot, you know, on your staff last year, it's like, that's not going to help him. It's like, maybe that's part of the reason why he's so bad. You know, but I don't think they had a plan in place. I think their thought was, we put him out there, he gets the bad out of the system early on, he learns from it, and he comes back, and he's going to be fine. And I think they were just overwhelmed by the fact that he looks like he's never played quarterback, and he just looks like a guy who plays pickup games. I mean, that that's what it is. It would be the equivalent of, like, pickup basketball player. Um, you know, that, that's what it's like. Uh, Eagles have a lot of good players with contracts expiring. Who can and should they resign? Can they do all that plus extend hurts? Um, yeah, you can always make cap room. But if I were the Eagles, I'd probably let most of those guys walk. You know, I mean, you, you got a great year out of like a Bradbury, right? Yeah, are you going to get that again? Probably not. Derek, uh, 
Teams watch Raiders cut car and 49ers spend three firsts for developmental that line, uh, then line up to sign those same quarterbacks. Signing these quarterbacks and market fair deals hamper teams more than drafting a bust. Uh, when will teams learn? Uh, when will missing on a quarterback not get the GM on a hot seat? Uh, so anyway, yeah, that pretty much just kind of what I'm saying. Um, you know, same kind of stuff uh, that I talked about here. Um, when will missing on a quarterback and not get a GM on a hot seat. That's a good question. Um, you would have to do what Arizona did. You know, you, you can miss on a quarterback as long as you get another quarterback that you might hit on. Um, I, I think you could be okay with that. Um, you know, now I, you know, Douglas is still getting a little bit of a pass, but you know, he's going to end up on the hot seat because of Wilson. Um, so I, I think it would have to be a team that's willing to take multiple shots on that quarterback, um, you know, to not get in trouble. Or, you know, be someone that if they took that shot and, you know, it busts, but you've got another player. Like, let's say this kid in San Francisco works out. It's almost like that That completely takes the sting away. It doesn't completely take it away, but it masks a lot of that sting um, from the, the Lance mess. Uh, Butch, uh, probably would take the entire podcast answer, but what would you do if you were Joe Douglas this offseason? Maybe I'll do a Jets uh, offseason podcast after next week. Um, but generally, I... You're back to square one. I I don't know. You really are. Um, Yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm I'm not big fan of it. uh, The team right now. Uh, Who is likely to be the most cap friendly free agent starting quarterback? Um, Let me see who the free agents are. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Quarterback. All right, let's take a look here. Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. Ugh. Um, you know, if I had a guess, it's either going to be Brissett, and I, I know he might not even start. It'd probably be him or Geno Smith if the Seahawks don't uh, don't tag him. Brian, what would your plans be for the Jets? Cuts would be Davis Lawson, Dwayne Brown retires. Uh, smaller cuts like Hardy, Man, Bryce, uh, Hall, Berrios, and Whitehead. Um, what would you do for Carr? I, I'm not trading for Carr if I'm the Jets. Uh, I, I think most of those moves are kind of realistic. Um, I don't think they'd cut Hardy. Uh, I think everything else is pretty much on the table. Uh, Brad, thoughts on what a Daniel Jones contract might look like? So I mentioned that before. You know, I, I think you're looking at like a two-year deal. Um, you know, and you know, my, my my rough thought on it is, you know, around twenty is what you offer. Fifteen, you know, it's just not worth it. All right, I think that's all the questions that I got. Just seeing if there was anything else that was a reply to this. I don't see anything else. So hopefully I didn't miss anything. So that'll do it for me. So uh, 
I'll be back hopefully this Friday. Um, you know, if not, I'll try to sneak in another Monday next week. My schedule gets more busy, but uh, I'll see what I can sneak in. Uh, I'm almost caught up to date on transactions for those who are following along with that. I know we've moved all our pages to 2023 at this point, um, but I'm still getting a little caught up from being away. So I'm a couple days behind, but, uh, you know, I'll get caught up on that stuff and, um, you know, I'll start getting up some different escalators and different things that, uh, you know, have or will hit the cap next year that I have information on and we'll get some of the teams in, uh, you know, a um, little bit more updated position um, when it comes to cap space for next year. So uh, thanks for listening. Everybody have a great week and I will talk to you all again soon.